Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. If this is your first time, we say a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out. And you can do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up here and let us know who you are and maybe a prayer request you might have or something of a question that we might be able to answer. And we certainly hope it won't be your last time. And then if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are grateful too that you found time to be with us today. Next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. And we have a special opportunity that we want to engage your participation in. You know, around here as a church, we are passionate about helping people find Jesus. That we know that what we need to be doing as a church is equipping everyone to share the story of the gospel, share your life with others, and to share the hope of what Jesus might mean to them. And as we gather next uh, Sunday afternoon to watch the Kansas City Chiefs or uh, the Philadelphia Eagles engage in uh, what is the most amazing day in sports, there's a great opportunity for us together to accomplish the Great Commission and to help further the mission of the gospel but in our church in particular as we talk about how we love God and we love others with no limits. There's an incredible opportunity next week for all of us to step up and be part of the game in a particular way that I think you'll have some fun with. And we want to help you with that, about how to have a conversation with your people, your friends. Uh, now on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, we've talked about it before, there is a national campaign called uh, He Gets Us. And we've shared a couple of those videos and I want to share this right now. When something big is happening, a movement, a moment, a mission that could change the world. You want to be ready. You want to learn everything you can. And right now, something big is happening. He Gets Us is a multi-year national campaign to raise the respect and relevance of Jesus in our culture. It's starting conversations. It's grabbing attention and changing minds. It's all over Twitter, in Times Square, on billboards and in stadiums. And on February 12th, you'll see it on the biggest stage in America. You'll see Jesus in the Super Bowl. The conversation is starting. Are you ready for it? He Gets Us as a campaign is gonna run two ads during the Super Bowl, and we know that the commercials are always the things that people hang around to watch, right? And we want to help you start a conversation with your friends as these commercials run. It probably will be the largest campaign ever undertaken to help promote the gospel. First, I want you to watch the game, and I want you to root for your team, whether it's Kansas City or it's Philadelphia. And then what I want you to do as you watch the game and you celebrate, I also want you to sign up for the text message here that they they offered. If you will text Super Bowl, two words, to 70193, that's Super Bowl, two words, to 70193, you'll get a response from the He Gets Us campaign, and they will begin to help you shape how you will have a conversation with your friends about what they're going to see. And then finally, what I want you to do is to pray. This is, by all estimations, the largest faith campaign in history and that it's going to be raising awareness of who Jesus is in our country. We have an incredible opportunity to use this to help people know who Jesus is. So what we need you to do, if, if you'd like to be part of our prayer effort here, as we send this out this week and you're not already getting our flock note, is to either text 
Linden to 84576, or if you hop over to lrpc.flocknote.com, you can sign up there to get our uh, messages. And we'll walk you through the next week some things that you can be praying for specifically. Again, we hope this will be a, a fun time for you to learn how to share the gospel with your friends and neighbors. And as we gather here, I had the opportunity to, to join Mark Zimmerman on Heartfelt Radio for the Wednesday morning Bible study. It was the 96th edition, kind of cool that they've leaned into it that faithfully over the last couple of years. And I hope you'll be encouraged by watching it. We looked at that very topic of how to be encouraged, looking at some writing out of Hebrews chapter 3. And so I invite you, and there's a link here in the worship notes to take a look at that. We're out here today, walking around, talking to people, asking them, if the church was listening, what would you tell them? Uh, you know, the church is very, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm having a problem with the church today. Very rarely does the church give actual help, and that's what I mean, because that's its original goal, is to, you know, be God's hands and feet, uh, but really, it's, you know, they're not really providing real help. Yeah, it's just like, I more trust, like, people I know better, and like, it's not that I don't trust the church, it's more that I, like, wouldn't reach out to them for, like, the like, person I'd go for. Uh, I'm not religious. Well, we're not, we're not Christians. I'm not really religious. I'm not a religious person. I think that the idea of the church has been really corrupted, and there are a lot of churches that aren't actually doing what the church preaches it's supposed to do. And so for that reason, I think I'm very hesitant to it in general. It's more about congregation numbers rather than, like, touching people's hearts. And it's easily, it's easy to make that confusion when you get into it. When you think of the church, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Priests and praying and ceremonies. A group of people coming together to worship God, where people go and pray. Habitual things on Sundays, most mostly. If you feel like you've done something and you need like forgiveness, like you turn to God. So, how can the church better connect with people? Um, I think I just I kind of live in the gray area, so anything that feels too boxed in or black and white doesn't feel um, aligned with me. The church? Um, I don't know. I don't think that I would ever go into a church on my own. I don't know, maybe change the image because especially now, there's, it's not very positive. I have no idea, never thought of it. It just feels like a secret that everybody else is in on but me. We're beginning a new series, and I'm just calling it Church. We're going to talk the next couple of weeks about what it means to be the church and some things that I'm thinking through, particularly in this new season. Uh, I know for myself, as I'm wrestling with just where is the church in the next season? This week, I've had several conversations with local churches that are trying to determine what their future is. One church has over 200 years in this community. And they're struggling with their next steps, realizing that they're aging, that their numbers are dwindling. And as they think about what the future holds in an older building of just how do they land the plane well? How do they celebrate what God has done and not do like I've seen other churches where one of the churches in our tribe a number of years ago, a church that had served its community faithfully for almost 150 years, ended up closing. And when they closed, they weren't even able to have any kind of celebration because they'd waited so long 
and it put off just the harder conversations that everyone that could have helped celebrate was in a nursing home. So it was very sad that uh, we, we ended up as a presbytery uh, celebrating them, but then also uh, realizing that there was so much more that could have been done there. And what was really sad as we looked at their history is that when that church was planted 150 years ago, its first three pastors were men who had graduated from Princeton, and the church had done amazing things in its community, but that some things had happened and, and people got comfortable. And, and I, that's why I want to lean into this conversation, because I think there's lots of churches that have many good intentions, but unfortunately the church has become boring and it's become d- disconnected with reality and in some regards has even become too safe, annoyingly safe. One of the things I encountered this week is a conversation that I've begun with Prison Fellowship as they are beginning a new ministry here at the Mansfield Correctional Institute. And I learned a lot. I met with the chaplain and had some training that was done there to sort of open my eyes. I mean, I've been in, I've visited prison, I've visited jail, but I I saw some things and experienced some things for the first time that really uh, has my mind turning even now about how does the church come alongside those that are broken and those that are disconnected from uh, normal life. Here in Mansfield, there's some 2,000 men that are incarcerated, uh, anywhere from five years to life in prison. As I leaned into my training and as I spoke with the chaplain, some things came to light that even inside the prison, what happens in prison is very similar to what happens in real life in terms of engagement. So even within prison now, they're seeing a downturn in the engagement in things of a spiritual nature. The worship experience in prison, the extracurricular events that they do to help to do faith formation, that those opportunities are, are struggling uh, just because of where we find ourselves culturally. And so when we look at Jesus and we look at the culture he was engaged in, it, it, there's a lot of similarities, but I also know when I look at Jesus that there was nothing safe about him. That the way he engaged in his community, the way he engaged in life, is that he wasn't afraid to, to touch people who needed touched. He wasn't afraid to touch the lepers, became friends with prostitutes. He became friends with tax collectors, actually had dinner with them. The reality is that, that in so many of our churches, and I say this with kindness, but that there are many people that are narrow-minded and that are judgmental and that are hypocritical. And I think that's part of the disconnect that we're seeing in our culture from faith communities. And as we lean into that and we look at who Jesus was and is, that we know as he walked the earth that uh, he loved those who hated him, uh, that he even told us in the Beatitudes that, that we are to bless those who persecute us. And what is amazing about his own story is that he welcomed those that uh, the religious leaders rejected. And when I think about our, my own story and I think about the wrestling I've had, with what it means to be a Christian in 2023. I think back to even my call to ministry and how I'm now pastoring, partly because I thought I'd run for public office and then found out that the system I was trying to help work through, through the, the, uh, the political process, if you will, as being a, a representative that was elected from the people, is it was all about the money. And that's a story for another day. But all that to say is, is that God had closed one door and opened up a door to first become a pastor to students and to walk alongside some amazing families and watch them grow and flourish and to watch young people come to faith in Jesus. And then to uh, 
land here at Linden Road and, and lead this church, even in this season as we've gone through COVID and have gone through some difficulties of just trying to understand church growth. I mean, even 10 years ago when I arrived here almost, uh, there were all sorts of good things happening in many different ways in our church and other churches. And then just through the way life has turned, through COVID especially, we've had to really rethink some things. And so as we think about who God is, and as we think about who Jesus is, as we think about the mission that we are as Linden Road, to love God and to love others, and to do that without any limits, as we attempt to lead each other faithfully into deeper relationship with Jesus, we need to be reminded that Jesus, as he came, didn't come to condemn people. He actually came to save the world. And he promises us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he came to give us life to the full. And so as we think about what it means to seek God and to please him and to help his church flourish, we maybe need a better mindset. And so what I want to lean into today, as I'm thinking this through with you, is having built on the idea of the last couple of weeks on how do we win the war in our minds to learn that there's behaviors that we need to put in practice and habits we need to create to talk about what those could be. But let's take a moment here and pray as we begin. God, we are grateful, and we pray your Holy Spirit to guide us now as we look at what it means to be the church. We thank you for how the church is your hands and feet here on the earth. So we pray that your Holy Spirit will help us uh, to understand how we can better serve you in all things. And we pray it through Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look here. In Acts chapter 2, we open up, and it's remember, Acts is really the second gospel of Luke. It's Dr. Luke writing to us. And, and so it's after the resurrection, Jesus has ascended, and Peter preaches, and some 3,000 people are saved. And I guess that's maybe the first megachurch. But let's look at that here. It says here, in, uh, beginning with verse 42 of chapter 2, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, that is such an amazing picture of what a thriving church looks like. And unfortunately, though, and I think this is the problem, is that if we were to write the same kind of understanding of the church today, and I say this with kindness and with love, but I think as I experience many churches, it's more like this, is that if we were to write the scripture, it would say they were devoted to their comfort and their happiness and their personal goals, their dreams, and even their bucket lists. No one really noticed the Christians because they focused on themselves. Very few of the believers were together, and when they were, they fought over stupid things. If they sold anything, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They claimed to love God, but they didn't even love each other. So they felt empty and alone and depressed. As a result, most people disliked them and very few lives were changed. Yikes, that's a hard word to hear. And yet, as I've talked to so many leaders in so many churches, especially churches that are in decline, it tends to be that way, that we want our kumbaya moments. And I get that. There's safety in that. 
And there's comfort in that of what, what was, but that's not the world in which we live. And I would suggest from what I understand and what I'm experiencing is that I believe God has something better that he wants for his church. As we looked the last couple of weeks at the human mind and about how we need to do things in a different direction, that the lunacy is when you do the same thing over and over again and expect a, a different result, is that what we need as God's people is a, a different kind of result, a different kind of mindset. And what I want to offer today is three simple ideas of how we can focus on being the church that's ready to meet the needs of a, a broken and disconnected world in, in the year 2023. First of all, and I see this in the people that call Linden Road home currently, is that we are a devoted church. And what I mean by that, well, I want to draw here on Acts chapter 2, where it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I see that here in so many different ways, with the commitment to uh, be here on Sunday morning, both online and in person. I also see that in the faithfulness of the Bible study that takes place every Thursday. And yet, it's interesting here, this word devoted, what does that really mean? Well, let's jump into the Greek here. It's probably one of the most important words in all the New Testament because it will engage us at a whole nother level. Now, that word is proskaterio. Can you say that? Proskaterio. Now, proskaterio means, in the Greek, to live in a constant state of relentless pursuit, to be persistent, ongoing, showing obstinate devotion, that there's this ongoing action. And I know for many people, they do that. Uh, they, they do that in just their day-to-day -day life. They do it with, about their kids. They do it about their career. They do it about their hobby. They do it about their sports team, you know, as we think about Super Bowl Sunday. They do it for making financial success. And I mean, just in so many different ways, uh, we uh, pursue things with re relentless passion, right? Yet, what do we know about those that walked with Jesus and, and those that we read about here in Acts chapter 2? Those that were the first century Christians, I, I can tell you this much about them. They weren't casual about their faith. They certainly weren't comfortable with their faith. And they weren't cultural Christians. They were sold out. They were full on for pre preaching the gospel and bringing about hope that Jesus could bring to a broken world. And I think about our church as we started uh, some 200-plus uh, years ago in downtown Mansfield. And I think about the passion that moved those people as they began first in the blockhouse and then moved out of the blockhouse to several other locations around the downtown area, and then finally landing in one space at Mulberry and 3rd that eventually they gave up in the early 50s to, to move out here to this space. And, and I've always been greatly encouraged about the people who have gone before us because they gave up a space to come and create a new space. And I know that that's hard for many people. I know many churches have special things that people have given money for, and, and to think that those people in that day decided it was much more important to be inconvenienced with comfort and to, to move out here. And then 15 years after moving here, they, they built this sanctuary that I'm in right now. And yet uh, the opportunities that we have in so many new and different ways. And so I know that, and I know there's much good that can be done yet as we think about what the church needs to be in this new season. And so I want us to be a church that's fully devoted, that's intensely devoted to each other and to our community. And, and in doing that, I want us to be a church that is irrationally generous. And we've, we've practiced that. I've seen that. Even in a season of, of want here in the last couple of years as we've walked through this global pandemic, 
we still, like last week, were able to gather and on Friday night, a number of people put together some meatloaf uh, to serve our neighbors. And as it was all summed up on Saturday night, I think some 85 meals were served to about 52 people. And you see, it's those moments when we are irrational in our generosity. It's like, this is hard work, but we're going to do it. And we've done that in so many different ways. And you all have been so supportive of that. And so we need to be reminded that it was that early church that they were so irrationally generous that they sold their possessions so that everyone who had need would get something. Now, again, the writer of Acts tells us, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. That's an incredible statement. And you think about the time in which we live now with all the government subsidy and the government handout. What Dr. Luke is pointing out here in this passage in Acts is that the government didn't need to meet the needs of the people. It was the church. It was God's people who met the needs of those that were in want. So what I want to say in so many different ways, that's what we do. That's how we are the church. That's how we offer the love of Jesus to those that are in need. And, and yet at the same time, I want us to lead that way. You see, for us as a church, I want us to be a church that practices that kind of generosity. Because I believe, as the scriptures tell us, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So the first mindset is that we're going to be intensely devoted to all that God's about. And that secondly, we'll be a church that's irrationally generous. And then third is that we will unapologetically share the love of Jesus. And that's why, as we think about this, as we think about this uh, proskateria that is exercised, this, this passionate sharing of the gospel, because why? Well, again, Acts chapter 2, the writer says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I see a world outside our walls that's broken. And I don't know about you, but I see it every day in so many different ways. And it's hard. And it's burdensome. But yet the opportunity. And so that's why, that's why this idea of helping you have some conversations with your friends after the Super Bowl next week. We'll be giving you some tools over the next couple of weeks to help you Uh, have a gospel-centered conversation so that you can offer the hope. I know evangelism is, it's a scary thing. And and witnessing, and and as soon as anybody talks about that, man, it's crickets and people want to run. But we want to equip you to do that because your story matters and you can make a difference in the life of those that are around you. And for us as a church, as, as God's people here, as we share unapologetically the love of Jesus, I want us to be a church that's filled with faith, that thinks big, that is willing to take risks, that we will not be safe, that we will not have small thinking, but we will lean into new opportunities for what God can do through us if we're willing to risk it. I want the next hundred years to be our best hundred years. I know it's it's difficult in this season, as yet I am trusting that God is leading us in a way that we're still determining and still chasing and still understanding what he wants us to do. Again, as we talked about how our minds and our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I want us to pursue uh, with an amazing persistence this idea of who Jesus is and what he can do for us, to change up our devotion for him and to move uh, all that we're about to who Jesus is. And again, that's why the encouragement to read God's word, that if we lean into it and we read God's word and we understand it, that we will find out that God's word is alive that we will serve, 
that will be a church that invites others to be part of that. And the thing that's beautiful about that, and I see this every time we go to St. Luke's to serve a meal, it's addictive. It's so much fun to sit and have conversations after serving a meal with people. And then also to be reminded that it's about giving financially. And we have to be careful with that because as you give, your heart's going to follow that. And I've seen that happen so many different ways here, whether, whether we're talking about Richland Gives, as you've supported that, or Compassion International, or even during the season of COVID, there were times where we were not meeting in person. And yet, uh, my friend Adam McLean was working with pastors in Mexico and how generous you all were. It, literally thousands of dollars was given to feed people who were living in Mexico in a time where things were so upside down. And then as we begin each day, we want to be reminded about praying and leaning into what God can do through our prayers. Because, and we need to be careful about that. If, if we pray, God might actually show up. He might actually move. And to, yet to see the beauty of that could be such an encouraging thing. And really what my desire is here is I, I'm trying to encourage all of us to fall in love with what God is doing again to find the, what connected us first in, to him and, and all the good work that he did. That moment we came to Christ to know him in a personal way, to reinvigorate that and to, to fan that fire and to help us move from not being people who consume spiritually, but that we are contributors to things spiritual. And to be reminded that this church doesn't exist for us, it exists for the world that we as a church, as Linden Road, as part of the larger Capital C Church, that we are here to make a difference in the world. And that we've learned this, especially, I think, in a very clear way these last many years, is that the church is not a place we go, it's about who we are. It's about being the body of Christ. It's about being the church in action. So let me just ask a question here as we ponder this. What, what can we do together as God's church? Well, uh, the truth is all sorts of things. And I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface, to be truthful. This week, I had an opportunity to participate in a Zoom conversation with Dave Ferguson's New Thing community and jumped on a Zoom call with some 80 people on Thursday morning. And, and I ended up in a small group for a little bit just to hear what God was doing with a woman by the name of Susan from Uganda. She was in Kampala. And from Tim, who was in Manchester, England. And it was so cool just to hear what God was doing in a place that I've never been to in Uganda, but how literally hundreds of people were coming uh, to faith because of their faithfulness of planting two church plants there in that area. We need to celebrate what God is doing, even when it looks like things are more complicated in our area, that we need to, as a church, be able to meet the needs of those that are in our local community. Again, as we think about loving God and loving others with no limits. And then we think about the things we want to give away, our faith. And so Again, I point you to the Super Bowl opportunity, and, and I hope you'll lean in to being part of the prayer experience over this next week. And then together, let's see what God does as we risk having conversations with our friends and neighbors, as we get to proclaim the good news that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And I, I know in my experience and the people I walk with on a weekly basis outside of our church is that there's lots of people that have doubts and have fears, and there's lots of people that have brokenness and, and have sin. But the beautiful thing that we get to offer them is this place called the church, that we can offer them an invitation to come to Jesus and meet him, literally. That this place, whether online here or in the building, is a safe place to believe before you have to belong, that we want to welcome you with open arms. And as I wrap this up today, let me offer this up from Ephesians chapter 3. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.